You, my friend, have made a great choice by selecting this podcast. And there are other great choices, like the Hey Travelpreneur podcast, waiting for you at travmarketmedia.com. Good morning. This is Megan Chapa, host of Travel Radio Podcast. Except for I am not the host today. Today's host will be Catherine Parker Magyar interviewing her mother, Elizabeth Parker. And I will introduce them better in one second. But I just wanted to say that I am about to make a transatlantic move. And that is very complicated in a normal circumstance. Right now, if you didn't know, there's a global pandemic and that makes things even more complicated. So you will hear from me slightly inconsistently. Um, for the next couple weeks, but then you'll start to hear regular podcast episodes come out with some pretty great guests and with a pretty big announcement happening mid-August. So please have patience with me and send your thoughts and prayers my way because things are getting crazy, but I don't even need to get into that. What I do want to get into is introducing my guest and her mom, and they have some pretty amazing credentials between the two of them. Catherine Parker Magyar was a guest of mine on a previous episode called New Destinations for Experienced Travelers. And that was the kind of the format was, I would say, most people go here. And then Catherine would rifle off the new destination that she would suggest, if you like this, you should try this, and then give us a reason why. And it was a really great episode. So please listen to that. It's in the show notes if you want to link back and listen to it. Catherine is a writer for Forbes magazine, specifically on travel, and her bylines are so numerous I can't get into it. But please click on her profile to see her bio and um, and, and explore her writings. They're really wonderful. You can find her on Instagram at Catherine Parker Magyar. Again, if you click on her profile, you can just click to all of her places. And also on Twitter, KPM1231. And her website is CatherineParkerMagyar.com. Now, when we speak about Elizabeth Parker, her mom, she is the editor of New Jersey Hills Media Group and former president of the New Jersey Press Association and the National Newspaper Association. And these two ladies combined have a crazy number of countries under their belts. Catherine has visited only 63 countries, while mom has visited 70. Both have visited all 50 states. Knowing Catherine's background a little bit and that she has a love for Wyoming and that her parents frequently took them in the summers on these really extended road trips, I wanted to find out, you know, how her mom planned those trips and encouraged a love of traveling in her children. And as we're in this, you know, crazy pandemic situation and both as travelers and travel agents, we're planning these trips. Um, I just wanted to find out some you know, how, how she did it successfully, because I'm trying to do that in my own children. So this is an interview that, I mean, just for the charming interactions between mother-daughter is worth listening to, but the tips and the insights are really great. I'm calling this episode New Jersey to Wyoming and Cultivating a Love of Travel Along the Way. So please enjoy this episode of Travel Radio Podcast with Katherine Parker Magyar and Elizabeth Parker. Hello, and welcome to the Travel Radio Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Katherine Parker Magyar. I'm a travel writer. I've visited 63 countries. Um, I got a lot of countries in prior to the plague, but you know we're in a pause now. And I appeared on an earlier episode of this podcast hosted by Megan, who's the expert at this, by the way, so be patient with us, um, talking about 
new destinations for experienced travelers. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, my mother, who needs no introductions. She'll introduce herself. I am Liz Parker. I'm the mother of Katie Parker Magyar and three other wonderful Parker Magyar children. And I am the co-publisher and executive editor of New Jersey Hills Media Group, um, a group of weekly um, newspapers and websites in northern New Jersey. Perfect. And mom, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about New Jersey to Wyoming and cultivating a love of travel along the way. Thank you for sticking to the script. <laughs> so yes. we are going to be talking about these cross-country road trips that my mother took me, my three younger siblings, and my father along every summer where we would drive from New Jersey to California. I suppose we did it about four uh, I think around six times. Six times. And then within that trip, our special spot that we would always, even if it wasn't the final destination, it was the highlight, was always Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And that's still a drive we still currently do. So talking about the American West and road trips, which is super relevant now that domestic travel is essentially the only option for us diseased Americans and that road trips are going to have an uptick. So without further ado, mom. When you think back on our family road trips, like what memories come back to you easily and what images? I think the one image, and we put a book together on all these wonderful trips as a family. I think the one image that really sticks in my mind is the photo just by happenstance I took of the four kids watching Old Faithful for the first time. I mean, it's just wonder and awe. It's like, wow. I mean, it's just, that was terrific. I mean, I think that was number one. I actually remember seeing it for the first time, too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) We were pretty young. Everyone was pretty young when we started these trips. So to give some um, perspective here, my mother and father would plot out the route for each of these trips by just looking at a map and just picking different places they wanted to go. And sometimes it was right through the heartland. Sometimes it would be more of a southern trip. What... Um, were you thinking when you were planning it? Like, how did you choose which destinations we'd visit? I think the reason why, actually, it was not too too random because we really just wanted to go to places we'd never been. We don't want to go back to a second place. Uh, up, I mean, we don't want to go back to a place a second time if we'd not been everywhere once. So, so one year we would do the south, and one year we would do the northwest. One year we we did a trans uh, Canadian trip. Um, that was pretty exciting. We did. A, we we needed to get. We not needed. We really wanted to get to all states first. Yes. Well, I also remember that there would be specific places that we'd be stopping in each state based on this road food book. Yeah. What is it called again? I mean, it's iconic it in our family. Road food by Michael and Jane Stern. I think it was terrific. I mean, they were great because they'd give you the like. Um, out of the out of the way local joints that had a lot of character and a lot of uh, literally a lot of flavor to them. I mean, the whole point of all these trips was to explore new things and see new things, and that just you know kept you motivated. So it was great. We had a limited time since obviously both my husband and I work, and the kids have school, so it's only limited in the summer months. So generally, we didn't stop until we got west of the Mississippi. After a while, so those were pretty long hauls. But the kids were great, even when they were in car seats. You're all very good travelers. I mean, there was always, every kid had a breakdown at some point on some trip. <laughs> it was monstrous. And, and we did lose 
air conditioning once in Death Valley, but other than that, <laughs> we had a lot of we had a lot of fun times. I remember being in the car and just as a kid, you're like, "Are we there yet? Are we there yet?" Oh, yeah. And my mother saying to me, "You will fall asleep, and you're going to wake up, and then you're going to fall asleep again, and you're going to wake up again, and we still won't be there, and it'll be another day." And I honestly think that that sort of it teaches. I feel like you taught us in a way how to be adaptable when you're traveling. Like it's not always going to be first class seats, and it's not always going to be you know hyper efficient. And I don't think travel is meant to be efficient. I no. think that seeing the seeing the country outside of outside of that window for years growing up, I do think had a had an impact on my curiosity. But also, I think it it helped um, educate me about how big the country was and that there are more different types of people out there and just instilled a sort of interest there that, I don't know, when we're talking about raising family travelers, I have friends who have kids and they're like, well, I'm not going to take them to Europe or I'm not going to travel with them until they're old enough to appreciate it. But I'd argue I think you have to learn to appreciate it. Well, I think Europe is a little slightly different because of languages and culture and stuff. And we didn't take you to Europe for the first time until, well, you're six years, you're, you're number one, and there's number four is six years younger. So we took you guys to the first range was like fifteen to nine. So I, you just contradicted my point, but sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Europe was but a that's lame not example. That young. You weren't that young. Yeah, no, I mean, Europe is a lame example. I mean, like take them on like an actual journey trip, like take them and okay, we're going to be going into these glaciers, we're going to be hiking. I mean, you took me to Alaska when I was how many months old? <laughs> Seven months. And I, I believe I had my first two breakdowns, tr- three travel breakdowns on that trip alone. Yes. Chanting for your aunt to come rescue you. I was referred to <laughs> as bear meat listeners. <laughs> yes, um, I had to, I rode the bus for the first time and. In Denali National Park. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And made a scene and had to get kicked off of it. It was beautiful. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> mom. Yes. So, can we talk about our road trips? Particularly our time spent in Wyoming. So we went to almost every place first with the kids because we wanted to see every, at least the lower 48 before we went back to Jackson where I had been in the early 70s because I just think it's just a marvelous place. But I needed to see and I wanted the kids to see every place first and then they could make their own decision. But Jackson and um, that area is a, is a spectacular place. So let's get into this, though. Why Jackson Hole? You've been to 70 countries. I've been to 63. What do you think it is about that one part of the world that resonates so much? It's just breathtaking. It's so dramatic. I mean, here you have these granite peaks just shoot out of the valley. I mean, it's like, you know, you know Denver and Aspen and Vail and all those, you know, places and Steamboat and... Uh, down in the San Juan Range where I did that. We're bound course mountain climbing. It was, they're fun, but they're not as, and they're dramatic, but they're not as dramatic as, as Jackson, where, you know, the, T, the Tetons are called the Teenagers of the Rockies because there are no foothills. And it's just, it's just, you come around the bend and there they are. It's breathtaking. There's something very pristine and, and, and really unspoiled about Jackson Hall. And I would not have called myself an avid trekker a year ago, but now I, I did a big trek in the Himalayas and in the Andes and in um, Peru, which was spectacular. Like Mount Everest is everything you think it would look like, and same with Mach- like Rainbow Mountain Machu Picchu. But 
you know, I went right from Peru to Jackson Hole, and I was, I was like, this is even, this is still just as, this is even better. Yeah, they're not obviously as high. They're not yet. But they are dramatic from, you know, foot number one. Something that my mother always says that, you know, I feel like when you travel with your parents, you are attuned to what they appreciate and what they see. And I feel like when everyone is traveling, everyone's having, even though it's a shared experience and bonding, you're having your own individual, you know, perceptions of where you are and relation to where you are. For my father, you know, he could look at a rock in Rome and be like, well, Julius Caesar had a huge fight with like some third lieutenant and like, you know, give the whole history and just, you know, be so moved by one stone, which I admire. Um, I don't really have a head for that. I think I'm more, I don't know, I'm more emotionally driven to the nature, but my mother, what she does just out of the blue, you know, just randomly. And each time this idea comes to her, like as if it's the first, you know, we'll come across, like we'll be in a canoe, we're coming across the river, like, so we'll even be in a car. It doesn't even need to be an exalted surrounding. Actually, could you imagine if you were a scout? And then what if you were seeing these mountains for the first time? And then you have to, you can tell it, Mom. Well, that's you have so that. true. I mean, can you imagine like the John Muirs and people who've seen this stuff for the very first time? Um, it must have been just absolutely spectacular. I mean, coming across the Grand Canyon, this huge, huge hole in the ground for as long as the eye can see or, or coming around the mountains and seeing the Tetons. is just, I just can't imagine what that was like. I mean, so I have to live vicariously. So I have to say, imagine if you were a scout. I mean, not only does that show, like, honestly, obviously, she's a writer. We're both writers. She's got a depth of imagination here. But also I feel like travel connects to people on a level that's sort of obviously like beyond themselves. I think travel can be a little bit spiritual in a way. And mom, you're going to really make fun of me or like be annoyed that I'm sharing this anecdote. But my biggest memory from these trips, I was with my mom at Jenny Lake in Jackson Hall. And well, I think, I think it was Jenny Lake, but we were going out to the lake and it was cold. Spoiler alert, the weather is never consistent when you're in a valley surrounded by the Grand Tetons. Like, it can snow in June, it can rain. And I remember my mom just, like, whipped off her fleece and in her bathing suit jumps in the lake and is like, well, Kate, are you going to come in? And I was, like, so cold. I didn't really want to, but I was like, oh, okay. She, and she goes to me, you don't want to be the girl who doesn't get in the water. You don't want to be that girl. And I, I think about that. To, I jumped in, it was freezing, and then... I, I was like, felt a moment of bliss and sidebar. I think about that all the time. Like, you don't want to be the person who hangs back. You want to be the person who jumps in. You want to go for it. You have to be smart about it, though. <laughs> I know. I think it's like backfired a couple I times. I really said this, but whatever. You did. You said you don't want to be the girl who doesn't go in the water. I re- you got to try. Yeah, you got to experiment. You got to explore. It resonated with me. Yeah, so I, I still think of that. But the second part, we were floating in the, in the lake, my mother is blissed out. She's in her favorite spot. We're in the, you know, we've probably been in the car. I probably have siblings in diapers. People have probably been like emotional terrorists to one another in our, in our minivan or whatever. And she was so happy and looking up at the sky. And I think it was a hawk. It was a bird of prey. She would remember. Do you remember what it was? I think it was a hawk. A hawk flew overhead. And she just doesn't even turn. She just says up. Facing up, floating towards the sky, she goes, it's moments like these when you can believe that a God exists. And, I mean, I always... It's spectacular out there. Yep. 
And I think that's what travel, I think that's what it's all about. I, I don't know how old I was, 12 or something. Yeah. Or, but I understood exactly, mom, how you were feeling and how, I, I understood exactly what, like the feelings that you were having and where you were transported to. And yeah, that was just, sidebar, let's get back to our regular, yes. <laughs> go back to our scheduled program here. Um, before we wrap up on Jackson though, I have a question. So you don't think you can answer what made you first love travel. You don't really remember, do Well, you, you know, I grew up in the East. My family's from the East. Um, I was ready to leave New Jersey. I mean, I love New Jersey, and I'm obviously back here. But I want to see what else there was. So I went to Kenyon College in Ohio and kept going west. Worked in the Grand Canyon, north room of the Grand Canyon, my freshman year in college. And then we explored from there, and that really was my first taste of it's a whole different. It's a whole different country. It's different countries. I mean, Utah looks like the moon. For goodness' sake. To quote my mom's <laughs> mom, been to the moon. <laughs> my grandmother, my mother's mother, Mamu, um, was a major icon in our family. But she'd never been out west, really. Yeah. And before she died, it was a very big deal to her that she sees that she saw this place that her daughter loved so much. And you know, my grandmother was really you know well suited for. I don't know, Newport, Rhode Island and <laughs> New York City yeah. and Far Hills. So she yeah. was a little bit more of a, she loved a five hour long lunch with wine and chatting. And she's very, I like to, to be quite honest with you, read, listener, I also like to travel that way as well sometimes. But so she, we're out west and I remember Mamu said a couple of things. First, she was like the national park again. And then, <laughs> then she was like, God, like the mountains. They're great, but they're almost, they're too, over, they're too much. It's almost overwhelming to look at them. But then, Mom, I remember you made this comment, I think. Actually, you shared this, I think, at, at her funeral, what she said about America, what she realized. And I think, do you remember what you said? Or? Yeah, I mean, she was really surprising about it. I mean, I thought she'd, you know, at one point we're surrounded by a herd of buffalo, and she's from, she was from Buffalo, New York. I thought she would be really like, wow, this is terrific. Instead, you know, she sort of was sitting slightly stone-faced, and eventually she said, you know, seeing, these, seeing Wyoming like this or seeing Wyoming is sort of like, it's just amazing that we, are, we exist as one country because <laughs> it's so different. I mean, this whole area is so different. Yes. My grandmother predicted 2016 and 2020, 10 years ago, or however long that was, because yeah. now obviously we are very divided. But I think that touches on one other interesting thing about travel and the motivations for travel, I think on one level, there's definitely the drive for nature and that sort of immersive experience, like with the planet, to not sound super cheesy, that it existed before you, it existed after you, what were the people like who came here before, and that sort of transcendence. And I actually think Megan Chapa and the podcast I appeared on called me an extroverted loner because I was always drawn. She's like, you say you love people, but you, your favorite places are the Arctic, the Amazon, you know, and, and the Himalayas. So I think there's that drop. But I think the other thing that motivates travel is people. And I think that's what Mamu, what our grandmother, was primarily driven by. What yes. do you, yeah. Do you think you travel? Well, she reads Annie Prue novels. If people don't read them, they take place in Wyoming. She wrote Brokeback Mountain, the short story. My mom reads them. I love her too. Yeah, and fine, just the way it is. Yeah. It's a collection of short stories. It's great. You know, what's funny is I was going to ask you if you thought it was growing up on the East Coast and seeing the American West, which is so story. I mean, it's called Jack Kerouac. It's calling Elizabeth Parker. And if that sort of was the fundamental first spark for your love of that place. What? What specifically? That it was sort of this... 
this like sort of representation of a break, a break from home. And just like, you could be a different person out there. You could be a grand, a grand Canyon waitress and nobody even knew what Canyon college was. Everyone thought it was Canyon college. Well, also it's less crowded. So you don't have to wait in line. I mean, let's just talk about the basics. (laughs) (laughs) I like that part. Wyoming is also the least populated state. So for Which means something coming from living in New Jersey, the most populated state, the most densely populated state. Right. But another one of the best states in the country. Of course. <laughs> okay, so then let's get to some practical tips for people who are going to do their own road trips with families or friends or whatnot. So are there any places that we stopped, Mom, that you would recommend travelers um, should stop, say they're coming from like the Upper East Coast, the U.S., like we were? First of all, I would just make, rec- you know, just my primary recommendation is to make sure you have especially when you're traveling with young children you have a hotel room because once we got stuck coming up from florida we couldn't get a hotel room between florida and new jersey because there was a big um, nascar race going on in south carolina so that was the end of that but i would also you know just look at look for i mean i mean you want to do the the national parks but what, i think one of the funnest stops we took with the kids just by happenstance was in Gothenburg, Nebraska, where the kids got an opportunity to, you know, there's one of the stops on the Pony Express. And, you know, that's such a legendary uh, historical moment. But really, the Pony Express was only in place for a year. I mean, for all the history and lore about it, it was only really doing it for a year. So that was sort of fun. Um, I wouldn't stop at amusement parks, only although we, we did. But, I mean, you've seen one amusement park after a while. You've seen them all. And that you don't have the cultural differences that you see in other sort of more natural and local historical spots. Yeah, support local businesses. That's it. Also, I feel like kids are chaotic. Families are chaotic. I'm saying kids, but full disclosure, we've been quarantined together for the past couple of months. So I feel like I've fully reverted back into my role as an annoying daughter at times. But I can only imagine that an amusement park and the lines and people wanting to go different places would be hellish. Yeah, I mean, there's some parks that are so incredibly well organized and it's fine, but it's not that. After a while, they're all alike. I mean, I think mm-hmm. Disney parks are great and, you know, Cedar Point and Sandusky and obviously Bush Gardens and stuff that we've been to. But they are, you know, you've been on a roller coaster is a roller coaster. And I have to say that, I mean, it's even it's even more so now, but... I remember when I was growing up, you know, it'd be like, oh, well, people are watching too much TV. They're watching too many movies. Now, obviously, people are really on their screens. But I think that one of the things that doing these road trips teaches or taught or, you know, you're bored. You have to think. You have to sort of, like, look around. You, you have to read. Make, you got to read. And to that end, like, I think that something that I really remember and I would recommend doing, to two sort of elements, first would be, Find your way to Kansas or Oklahoma and just drive. Like drive straight through Nebraska. We, were, we drove through Nebraska last summer. And, you know, you're driving and there's nothing around. I was on deadline. Oh, we saw the, uh, right there, the Scotts Block. I mean, that's uh, we saw really a lot. Pretty. We I saw mean, a lot. Chimney but- Rock, where all the wagon trains stopped. It was real lit. I mean, those things are great. And, and then there's, you know, Lewis and Clark, various, you know, stops along the way. She's looking at things from the perspective of a scout. I'm looking at things from someone who was on deadline and needed to get Wi-Fi to file a story. Oh, and we drove details. for about two and, and a half hours. And we stopped at, but uh, we stopped, yeah. at a Wyatt Earp's house there in uh oh my gosh where is it and yeah I forget you that. did i went to a starbucks yeah. really kind people in nebraska and not starbucks but i remember yeah we no, were no 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 <laughs> wild bill hickok sorry everybody yes. 
Not wider. This is important for the story because Nebraska. So then I finally finished the story. I'm in the backseat again, really testing our family patience with one another, the three of us in this car. And up ahead, you could see like the outline of a rainbow. And it was beautiful. I probably took 100 photos of it from far away. And then what was crazy is that we kept approaching it. And, you know, rainbows can be sort of illusory. Illusory. I don't even know, like a pot of gold. They don't always look great up close. This rainbow looked like a vibrant beam down from the heavens. And it's because we were in the prairie. And it was just gold fields everywhere. And there was nothing. It was one of the most spectacular things I'd ever seen. And this is why I tell you you need to drive through the heartland. Because... So it can be a little bit dull because there isn't that much to Are distract you, you sometimes. You can see where Jesse James held up his first train. I mean, that, that stuff is great. So, yeah. So, <laughs> and then you can picture it happening. I mean, it's sort of fun. Yeah. So, and <laughs> mom, I'm, yes. I am suggesting they do this. Even though I'm saying, I'm just <laughs> caveating that, like, you know, if you're choosing between driving through, I don't know. Oh, God, I'm going to, like, mess up my geography here. But if you're choosing between driving through, what state would you drive through rather than going through, like, Oklahoma? Or South Dakota. Yeah. Go to the prairie is what I'm saying. But really go to the heartland because the sky in Kansas is enormous. Mm-hmm. People talk about big sky Montana. The sky in Kansas, it feels like you're in a snow globe dome of blue. Big tornadoes. Insane. And so we Tornado were driving. Chasers. Oh, my God. Yes. We were driving. And I was a kid. And it was storming. And we hadn't, we hadn't gotten to our hotel yet. I don't think that we were going to get there anytime, particularly soon. And it's getting stormier. And then suddenly we approach and we have to stop. And it's this train track. And this is how I remember it. And to quote Joan Didion, it doesn't really matter what happened. It matters how it felt to me. However, mom, we're actually agreeing on a lot of these memories. Mm -hmm. So we are at this train tracks and the train, I'm like, where's this train coming from? Where is it going? Um, And it's this freight train. I'm not kidding. It felt like 60 60 other oh, hundreds cars. hundreds yeah hundreds of cars on these trains. hundreds of cars you look around and there is no one else out there and the sky is erupting the heavens are exploding and it was like this could be the 1950s the 1920s or this could be i don't know well, the millennials. i mean it's really fascinating yeah and you have these great huge you know rail rail lines going through the middle of towns like farvo and i mean these are real towns, and it, everything comes to a halt because these long trains are coming through. It's very romantic in a way, I think. And I'm actually going <laughs> to, yes, it is romantic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a shout-out to another journalist actually here. Katie Weaver did Road the Train Across America for the New York Times. Um, I think it was earlier this year, and she wrote a spectacular story about it. She also gushes over the sky in the heartland, but basically saying how Americans' industrial... America's industrial excesses have resulted in a train line that goes through places that really we don't need trains to go through, like weaving through the mountains. And yeah, recommended. It was Buffalo (laughs) Bill's house in North Platte, Nebraska. We've been there so many times. For everyone who's on the edge of their seat, it's Buffalo Bill's house. There you go, North Platte. And the second thing I would say is this, is that Native American, so as a travel writer, I've worked with different nations, tourism bureaus and stuff, and One thing that I've always been wanting to write, and I'm actually going to be focusing on that this year, is growing up, We, when we would do these cross-country trips, we would collect national park stickers and everything, and I feel like I got a lot, I got a big lesson in the National Park Service, but also we would learn so much about the Native American history in each state, each region, um, the different tribes, 
And I would read, there's a book series, and oh God, I'm going to send this to Megan so she can put it in the notes if people want something to give their kids, because this was spectacular. It was like American Girls for me, but it was about different Native American girls who were probably 11 or 12 from different tribes all over the country, and it was a whole series about each one, and I just was really, I just was fascinated by Native American culture and really developed an appreciation and love for it, and now as a journalist... What I've noticed is like if you go to Canada and you want to support indigenous populations, there's a map. The Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada is spectacular, but there's a map and it's like this is native owned, this is native owned. This you can do an entire trip and you're supporting this culture, you're giving back. And you know, and it's beautiful also because a lot of the well, Native American and also First Nations heritage is in storytelling. So and sharing stories. So I don't know. It's spectacular. I, that's something that I would keep an eye on and just look for. I know there are separate museums and fairs where you can buy Native American art, but it's harder in the U.S. because we still haven't paid reparations to any of our peoples. So before we get too political, we are going to move on to just last two negatives and we're done. Are there any places we visited that you wouldn't recommend, that you wouldn't like say you need to stop at? No. I mean, no, everybody needs to see everything <laughs> once. And then they can make their own decisions. But, but if you're limited time, as I said, I wouldn't do amusement parks. I mean, I would do things that you're not going to see in your ordinary existence. And that's the whole point of travel, Ex- exploration. Local color. Go for local flavor, right. local color, right. everything. Okay. So get those road food books. Get the road food <laughs> books. Find out the history if you were a scout. And then what was the worst catastrophe you think? that happened on the road and also how how in on earth did you manage to deal with four loud bratty kids i i was i was a little demon i'm going to come clean here and was constantly in some i was battling someone at all times and just always <laughs> the amount of feelings that i had at the age of 11 i'm still it's a tidal wave i still think of to this day so and then and that i'm just one of four probably the worst but still just one of four how did you manage to like still love your children after being in the car with them? And then I remember at one hotel, you almost dad, my, our dad said to me, he goes, Kate, you guys better just shape up or this is gonna be the last one. We did about 10 more after that. <laughs> I but I know you guys were at breaking points at times. We always had to, we stopped at hotels with swimming pools that sort of, that uh, helped people uh, get rid of some of their demons. But you know, books on tape also put you all to sleep. So that was good too. I have to say, growing up, I would fantasize about a beach vacation. I was like, I just want to go to the beach. Let's go to an all. Let's go. literally. I wanted to. Ascend. We did that for a while. We rented we, houses. Yeah, beach. when the, when Mark, your youngest, was an infant, we did in Mexico. Down oh in no, the in the Outer Banks. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because now, as an adult, I'm professionally doing the type of travel that my parents forced on me as a kid. All right, like we're gonna wake up at eight a.m. We're gonna go see this. We're gonna go see that. We're going to go to this museum, and then we're going to get lunch here, and then we're going to, just trying to get as much information, as many experiences as possible. And half the fun is planning it. Yes. Oh, and then the last point then, I guess, is that some people, when they have kids, they're like, I'm, just, I'm going to give up on travel for a bit. I'm going to stop. But for my mom and dad, travel was something that they were always connected and united in. Like, I know you guys spent a quarter, I think, of your annual income to go to Kenya together. At least that was before kids. Before, (laughs) yes, but but it's not exactly like you guys slowed down so much when you had us, and I think that that's almost. I mean, you know, inshallah, if I have children one day, I'll love them. 
but I think some benign neglect in pursuit of like living my own life and doing my own thing and expecting the kids to like adapt to you was a good thing. Yeah, they should. You you know, people need to see things. You need to you need to provide. You want to open the world to your children, and that's what we tried to do. And show your children the world that you love too. Yes, and let them make their own decisions. And this is the last question, and this is something that I even as a travel journalist, struggled with doing. But my mother will write in her journal, in her notebook, allegedly, by the way. She might as well be writing in hieroglyphs. <laughs> what every, every single day, just it could be long or short, what we did, where we were. And then she would type them up. And, now, and then she bound them together with photos to a hardcover book that is probably... Probably, I think, the most prized possession of the family, I would say. The most sentimental. How in the hell did you force... She is a professional writer, probably a better one than me. But how the hell did you force yourself to write every day when you're on vacation and, like, you may be having a drink? You guys helped, remember. We did help sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you draw little pictures of buffalo in the the journal. (laughs) It was good. It was fun. Do you, do you think it's something that people should try to do as families? Yes, because, well, at least personally, because you forget, and you forget these really wonderful sort of, you know, transformative moments that, you know, then you go back and look at your journal a couple years later when you're retyping it into the system or whatever, putting a book mm-hmm. together or whatever together, and there you go, oh, I forgot all about that. I mean, yeah, it's great. I mean, there's so much, and it's so different. It's There's so many sort of things coming at you, and certainly with six of us in the car... <laughs> There were lots of different things coming at you. That having it written down is was a big help. It is a big help. To quote Bob Dylan, "Take care of your memories, for you cannot relive them." That's it. So, but now we come with this book. So, Mom, thank you so much. You're the best. You're the best. I paid her to say that. (laughs) Um, Hope this was informative and happy travels. You're listening to a Trav Market Media podcast. Questions, comments, collaboration ideas? Contact us at podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcasts with an S at travmarketmedia.com.